Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. And ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow underway on this Thursday edition. Live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us here across the network. That can include the live stream or listening live right here on this great radio partner. Jam-packed show today. Plenty of headlines to hit. Jason McCourty, 13-year NFL vet, now a co-host of Good Morning Football on NFL Network. Uh, J-Mac joins us coming up in about 20 minutes. Always a great conversation there. He was an NFL PA rep uh, during his time in the NFL. And we'll ask him about the running back situation, uh, about the NFL's gambling policy and the confusion, or is there amongst players? That and more uh, straight ahead. Josh Pate, Pate State. Uh, late kick with Josh Pate. Uh, you can find him everywhere on social, and you can find him covering all of the top college football news. He will be with us in two hours. Plus, Ben Maller, Fox Sports Radio host as well. Special guest host today with Chad Withrow out. A very well-deserved day off. Never a day off for Michael McHenry, the fort, who joins us. Uh, a rare day off for your broadcasting duties, uh, Michael. But I'm, I'm glad that you're sitting in and the Blue Raiders are representing here. They are representing. And <clears throat> I was always told there are no days off. There's benching and yeah. that's it you're just not able to play today so chad he's having his girls picnic you know a little cheese little wine good times we're gonna miss him but yes it's blue raider day i'm excited about this man My, uh, michael and i went to college together and uh you know this is the first time we've done the, the full show this is gonna be a blast we we have your uh world series preview your your prediction i'm gonna add mine as well you've got winners and losers from the trade deadline and much more but uh, let's hit the top headlines of the day, and it starts in college football uh, for our score Earth headlines on Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow. Um, yet again, realignment is here, and there are plenty of areas to go where the Big 12 uh, is expected to add two teams, maybe as many as three to even out the number. Arizona and Arizona State, they are currently... Uh, expected to join the Big 12. The question would be when the invitation comes because the sounds uh, of and the rumor mill is they want to add three all at once and make it the even number in the conference. Who's that third? Is it Utah? Uh, is it someone else out of the Pac-12? Utah would mean they get the corner schools that they wanted with Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and, of course, Colorado is there. Meanwhile, uh, Plenty of reason to be in doubt of what the ACC would look like without Florida State because I think that would also mean Clemson would be on the move. They want more money out of their rights deal. There was talk there and uh, more than just threats, uh, trustees at the, the meeting yesterday for Florida, uh, Florida State University, uh, all out saying, hey, it's not if but when we're leaving the ACC based on the TV money distribution, which they say is not enough. And on the heels of all of that news from yesterday, the Big Ten presidents have authorized Tony Petiti, the commissioner of the Big Ten, to 
look further into expansion, not later, but now. And that would include Oregon and Washington as the start. And as Dan Wetzel pointed out yesterday um, from Yahoo Sports, that could also include Cal and Stanford. This is not unheard of. It, I, I almost said this is craziness, but it's not because we've been through this the last couple of years, Michael. But here we are, and it, the looks of it, the Pac-12 is certainly going under as we know it. The Big 12 is keeping their name in the mix for the massive college football expansion if we go to the super conferences. And the SEC sits tight while the Big 10 is looking out west. And I wonder who's knocking on the door of Florida State right now. I tell you right, right now, it feels like Jerry Maguire. Just show me the money. <laughs> That's all these teams are looking for. They're looking to get a competitive edge. And the reality of it is, can you compete with Tennessee, Alabama, these teams that are getting so much money funneled into them from donors and NIL deals? I don't think so. You know, they haven't been competing over the last couple of years. You know, if we're talking about Clemson, maybe moving another ACC, you're, you're talking about a team that could walk in the SEC, maybe be a top five team, but I don't know about Florida State. I don't know about Miami. And you kind of look at these super PACs and see what, you know, what are they going to do? You know, what are all the teams that are maybe below them? Those mid-majors, what are they going to do? Maybe you see some of these conferences pick some of them up, but I don't know if I like this huge Big Ten. I mean, they're talking about 20 teams. I mean, I mean, think about it, pulling so many different teams and the competitive nature of that, because you're bringing in a bunch of different teams, basically for the, the top sports and football and basketball. Some of these teams are not going to be able to compete. So you have this huge conference, but only about 10 to 12 teams out of 20 are going to be able to compete. So I, I hope they figure this out, ha have a nice balance. I know everyone's chasing money, but at the end of the day, the donor and the NIL deals are going to lead the way when it comes to who's going to win, who's going to lose, because they're going to get the best players, they're going to get those five-star recruits. Because I just watched just the other day, a player walk into a G-Wagon. I mean, it's just a different world right now. Everything that used to be behind the scenes and secret and completely illegal is right out front. So it's a different world. Not just a player and uh, stepping into it and driving a G-Wagon with name, image, likeness. It's the quarterback at South Carolina. It's not right. the quarterback at Alabama. That's, that's the landscape we're in right now. Uh, Florida State saying, by the way, their board of trust, they want out of this TV agreement with the ACC within the next 12 months. And this is after, in, in the spring, they approved different television uh, revenue distribution, but it doesn't seem like it's made Florida State happy. I'm assuming the same would go for Clemson. Do you view this realignment as the, the death of what makes college football college football? Or do you view it as the inevitable, and it's still going to bring the same pageantry, the rivalry, and everything that we knew it was it still is. Which side would you be on in that? I'm all about the hometown feel. I, I think the the more you spread it out, the bigger it gets, the more you're going to lose that little hometown feel walking in game day and just having an absolute blast at the tailgate. And, and the reality of it is you look at the portal and this is very similar. These guys at big schools are running away from deals. They're not honoring what they've said in the same way on the media side you got to honor your word, finish, get through this, and then move on. Maybe try to figure out how to make the ACC better, bring in more revenue, do different things. But that's not what they're trying to do. They're just saying, hey, that's better over there. It's like chasing the hot girl in high school. Instead of just focusing on what maybe you can handle, everyone's chasing the hot girl. One guy's going to win. But that's not what they're doing. They're trying to chase that hot girl, and they may win, they may not. But I just don't know if I like the reality of them changing the just down-home good feel of going to – 
a, a game at Clemson or AC or, or Florida State or any of these schools and you play Florida, you play these different teams that you may not play anymore because of these super packs because you have to play so many teams in your conference. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm, I'm all for the expansion of the college football playoff, but what it's done is it's taken away from the bowl games, you know, and especially like the New Year's Day bowls. If they're not a part of the playoff, then it's not the same momentum, the same energy. I, I don't like that part, but I don't know if you can actually fix that and get that right where there were rumors that if Ohio State wasn't going to make the playoff, they didn't want to go back to the Rose Bowl this year. I mean, you just... Uncle. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's not a good spot for, as uh, the, the landscape we knew it was, I still think the fans are going to be there. The rivalries remain in the SEC and the Big Ten. The other conferences, well, uh, to be determined, and where they are and which teams are left. Um, news last night with the New York Yankees. Domingo Herman, right before first pitch... Uh, the Yankees release uh, a press release and a statement saying that uh, Herman had agreed to enter a treatment facility for alcohol abuse. And this is right after um, a little over a month since he had the perfect game, the, the what 24th in the history of the league. He's now headed to uh, rehab, a treatment facility, and he, Brian Cashman said he's not going to be back on the team for the remainder of the season. Uh, what do you make of this? And uh, given the, the the status as we know it with him, I, and, I certainly hope that everything uh, goes as as well as it can for Herman. Um, is this routine? Like right before the game, they're releasing this to the media and the fans. Uh, I don't think it's routine, but it's New York, so maybe it is routine when you think yeah. about New. York. But you know, having alcoholism run in my family hut, I, I think about it like this. I hope it was his idea. I hope he kind of stood out in front of this and said, I need help. I need to go. Because if not, the psychology behind it is terrible. I mean, the reality of looking at it, uh, of an alcoholism and, you know, what they deal with, if they are not willing to say, I have a problem, I need help, more than likely, I'd say 99.9% .9 of the time, they go back or they kind of repeat, offend the problem. So I hope, I hope from the bottom of my heart, he was the one that said, I need help, I need to go. And he should have been the one that maybe got out in front of it. I think that would have been really healing for him, but it's New York. They, they want the news. They want to get out there. There's not many teams anymore that kind of jump out in front and ask really tough questions. New York's one of those places that really want to do that. They, they kind of put their marking on, hey, we're a tough media. It's hard to play here. But I think if they look at the human being and say, hey, this guy's had a problem. He's been performing absolutely great. You know, maybe half tier, maybe not, but it's going to completely change his personality. You think back to CC when he was going through all that, he was actually struggling and you know, that was part of the reason why he was going to the bottle to maybe cope with his performance. But, you know, this guy was not. He was actually performing. So you kind of wonder, is it the big city? What's going on behind the scenes? Do you hope he's okay? Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I'm just uh, just a theory. Again, I, I don't know. This is speculation. But his uncle passed away. He was very close with his uncle, what, two days before he threw the perfect game, and he dedicated that to his uncle. Uh, and then now, a little over a month later, he's entering uh, a, a – treatment facility. I, I wonder uh, if some of that stems into what we saw uh, last night. And, and just the way the, the release kind of reads where he agreed to go, doesn't. I, I don't take that as his decision. Um, but hopefully, with baseball not being the focus, he can get the help he needs. Is this, did you uh, witness any of this throughout your career in the big leagues? I, I did. I, I saw some pill issues. Um, obviously, I saw some alcoholism. But 
most of those guys kind of kept it really under the radar yeah. and maybe got help after they got done playing. Cause you know, when you look at a professional athlete, they're on the big stage all the time. No one really cares. If you're out there performing, you're doing your job. Nobody cares. Nobody asks how you're doing when you go for four or four strikeouts. They don't care about the death in your family. They're going to use it as a story and then they're just going to move on. Now it's time to play. Once you get in, in the park, under the lights, on the field, it's go time. Nothing else matters. You got to separate it. Once you walk in between the lines, it's play and don't worry about anything else. And that's exactly how fans are going to treat you. Media is going to treat you. I encourage guys all the time, get out in front of things, you know, speak about it. If you're playing hurt, talk about it because the team will use it against you. If you are struggling in life, you have mental health issues, you know, go to somebody, get help before it even, you know, comes to light. So it's not this huge story. It's something that you're dealing with, you know, step by step instead of waiting until it snowballs all on top of you. I think a lot of these guys too, uh, maybe it's uh, they're in the minority here. I, I find it interesting that some of these guys can do that behind the scenes and then perform at a very high level. And it's not, it's almost like it masks the issue because they're still doing what they do at a very high level. They haven't dropped off, so they don't perceive it as a problem. That's the other part, too, that I'm sure plays into continuing whatever uh, use that they're, they're turning towards, whatever vice that is, uh, behind the scenes, maybe keeping it low key, but on the field, there's no issue. Yeah, and I think it's not sustainable. I think you may see it yeah. three, four years, especially when they're young. I mean, a lot of high school guys that get drafted, they kind of spend their college years in pro ball in the minor leagues. And I watch some guys just absolutely crush at night and come out and perform well, but it ended up catching up to them, whether it was, you know, getting hurt cramps during the game. It was always something that came back to bite them because you can't hide what's in the dark. It's always going to come to light. And that's exactly what will end up happening. Just like here. And I just, like I said, I pray that he's okay. He yeah. kind of gets, you know, the help he needs and he takes ownership and responsibility for it, not the team, because with the team, even if they do care, there is some political nature to this that they're just trying to cover their rear end. You know, we saw what happened in Anaheim just a couple of years ago. Someone overdosed and that's the reality you got to look at. You got to look at, oh, we got to cover our base. We got to do this instead of just worrying about the human being. Adding on a detail to a headline from yesterday, Iowa State quarterback Hunter Deckers, um, who is a redshirt junior returning starter for the Cyclones. Uh, a part of an investigation, a criminal investigation, where he's been charged uh, with tampering with uh, files. And uh, the evidence, I guess, involved here would be he, he allegedly is using his parents' account with their knowledge to place bets on 26 different events within the Iowa State athletic program, and one of those being a game for Iowa State, a game he didn't start, Brock Purdy did, on uh, at home where they won 24-21 against number seven Oklahoma State back in 2021. Now there's video that has surfaced of of him at a bar and uh, no audio with this because of the language involved. But Hunter Deckers is, is pointing to his chest uh, at Iowa State and saying, handshake agreement on here. It's a $500 bet and he's siding with the Cyclones. And at the end of the video, there's an unnamed person that comes in and says, hey, save that, don't post that. That's against the NCAA rules. This is happening not just in Iowa, Iowa State, but across the college landscape. And I don't know how the NCAA gets a handle on this, given the fact that they have a policy in place, but I don't know of the sports betting uh, sites or the apps 
that actually are hardcore advertising on stadiums the way we see it in the NFL. You know what? They kind of set themselves up for this. You give college kids a bunch of money, a full scholarship. What do you expect? You know, they have time on their hands. They're going to go out and spend it and they're going to make huge mistakes and they're going to have to learn from it. So they're going to have to educate all of these kids properly. What's out there? How, how can you maybe get deeped or pulled in a direction you shouldn't be pulled, but this is what you should expect. I mean, you're going to see things that we've never seen because they have opportunities that they've never had with the NIL deals, the sponsorships, the dinners they're going to, all these different things are going to cause a ruckus throughout NCAA. And they're going to have to figure out a way to combat it, to maybe get ahead of it because it's going to get weird at times. A lot of things may get covered up, but they're going to try to do everything possible to, you know, get out and do different things because they have adults pulling at them from every direction. They have a manager, they have an advisor, they have companies trying to pull them into commercials, go to dinners, you know, do yes. appearance yes. stuff that you're doing as a professional, not a college student. You got to go to class tomorrow. You got math, right? Michael McHenry, our guest host today, Jason McCourty joins us next on Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Michael McHenry will rejoin us coming up in about 20 minutes. We'll get his winners and losers of the Major League Baseball trade deadline. Maybe a surprise or two in there. Maybe a surprise about who vetoed the trade. More on that coming up. Uh, we were just discussing... Gambling and uh, sports wagering in college football we're seeing across the state of Iowa right now. That's certainly uh, one of the top off-season discussions in the NFL and a discussion that I had briefly on the sideline this weekend at training camp uh, here in Nashville with former Tennessee Titan and uh, a Super Bowl champion. Let me throw that in there too with the New England Patriots. Uh, 13-year veteran now, the co-host of Good Morning Football on NFL Network. Say hello to Jason McCourty. J-Mac, what's up, man? Hey, it's great to see you. What's happening? How you doing? I, I am I am wonderful. Uh, what's the training camp tour? Were you just here in Nashville or are you making the rounds? Uh, I'm going to be in uh, Miami this weekend at the Dolphins training camp, but that's more just a, a personal visit there. I won't be uh, on TV or anything. So uh, going out there to visit, going to more heat, I guess you can say. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, and you've got some uh, former uh, Rutgers players. Eli Apple's there now. Uh, yes. So we'll, we'll, I want to hit on that uh, coming up. I want let, let me dive in uh, to to the uh, we'll get to the gambling in a moment. But the running back discussion across the NFL, guys are unhappy at the very top with uh, the drop off from any other position, which would be 18 million on the tag. Running backs at 10. Only the only position that's paid less on the tag is kicker and punter. Um, what do you make as you're a former NFL PA rep in the locker room? What do you make of the conversation, um, the disgust with where they are on the pay scale 
And then the overall reaction, which, I mean, they don't have much control on that based on the collective bargaining agreement. Yeah, well, when you look at the franchise tag, a lot of that is dictated off of the highest paid player at the position averages of the top one. So it's a matter of when you start to talk about CBA, the collective bargaining agreement allows the open market for players to be paid as much as anybody's willing to pay them. That's the point of free agency. If you go way back in the NFL, players weren't even allowed to have free agency. So once you became a member of a team, you were stuck on that team for your entire career unless you just chose not to play anymore. So once we were able to get free agency and a lot of players fought to be able to have that, you had the option to now create a bidding war of some sense of this team, team A may want you, team B, and you can kind of go both ways to see which team is willing to pay you more for your services. And it just sucks right now that teams have decided that the running back position isn't as valuable to them or that they can win without paying it top dollar. So when you do that, now you go to the franchise tag. Now the top of the players aren't paid as much throughout. So when you're finding the average of that, it lowers the tag. And then when you have running backs like Josh Jacobs, like Saquon Barkley, who are some of the best players in our game, an opportunity to make it onto a second contract, which every player dreams about, their respective teams aren't willing to give them those deals. So uh, I think this is more of a, a value standpoint argument of why general managers, why teams aren't valuing that position. From a CBA standpoint, if you go in and you say, all right, we're going to make changes and make sure the running back position is paid, the salary cap is at a certain number. If you enforce it that running backs are paid a certain amount, well, your offensive guard may get mad because he's blocking for the running back and may feel like he's being slighted because now that's money out of his pocket. So I think from a union standpoint, as, as soon as you start dictating how much a certain player gets paid, that affects other players in the locker room. So that's always going to be the challenge. Quarterbacks make a ton of money. There's nothing in the CBA that says they have to, but the people giving out the checks have decided that that position is extremely valuable and they need the one they want to run it. So uh, – it- Get your perspective on this. So I maintain the quarterback group, the top tier group of quarterbacks in the league are really the ones that could affect change in this. I was on Lamar Jackson's side. You know, he's, he's wanting Deshaun Watson's contract. And I felt like just nationally, it was like, oh, yeah, whatever. The owners aren't going to do that. Uh, he's going to end up signing for this amount. Well, if you had the group of quarterbacks that are eligible for extensions right now, along with the future Hall of Famers that are in the league band together, they would actually command that based on the fact that the, the league protects that position, especially the top guys. Why don't we see more of that? I understand you've got a chance to get yours and the player gets theirs individually, but if you really want to affect the bottom dollar of what any position would be complaining about, the top guys have to do it on their behalf, don't they? Easier said than done. Uh, I was saying the same thing. To your point, you had Justin Herbert, you had Joe Burrow, you had Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts. You had all of these guys at one given time that were going to be eligible for these deals. And you say, hey, just come together and say we're not signing unless we get to $230 million fully guaranteed. But on the other end, it's easy for me to say, as I'm 13 years, I've played, I've retired, I've made my money to tell somebody else what to do with their career. Uh, I didn't have $262 million worth of a contract money in front of me to say, oh, no, you know what, I'll pass on that yeah. to band together and do X, Y, and Z. And then on the other hand, you look at a Patrick Mahomes contract, which is further out, which allows them to add more talent, what Tom Brady did for years. The quarterbacks have a lot of different variables that they have to decide. 
the exact scenario that you just brought up sounds like a great idea, but it's up to each and every individual to make that decision for themselves. So any quarterback, your, your time's up to sign a new deal. Yes, you can wait and say, hey, I want a fully guaranteed deal or you can do it your own way. I think that's the beauty of our league. You all negotiate the contract that you want. The only person that has to be happy and pleased with your contract is you. You're the only one playing on it, regardless of what anybody says. We've watched players negotiate their own contracts and us in the media rip the contract apart and say it's a terrible deal. And if that guy's happy when he goes home with the deal that he signs, that's all that matters. I mean, it's, the, it's crazy to me what the other pro leagues have, the top leagues have, versus the, the, the money that is raked in by the owners compared to the players. The players are getting paid, but it's, it's, uh, it's a big jump in the overall power of the NFLPA versus NBA, Major League Baseball, and NHL. Um, what do you, how do you think the Jonathan Taylor... Jim Ursay dispute is resolved. Do you think he gets traded ultimately? Do you think he shows up and plays? Uh, do you think that Ursay has to sweeten the pot? It, it, it's tough because for Jonathan Taylor, it's such a hard situation because where does his leverage lie? If, if they're not willing to trade him, do you just sit out an entire year? I don't really know that that's worked in the advantage of players, especially at that position. We, we watched Le'Veon Bell do it, sit out an entire year, and we've heard from him since then of that if he can go back, he probably would have played. I think the tough things for this, there's the contract stuff with the running back position not being paid and all this, that, and the third. I think the other side of it is the feud, is Jonathan Taylor meeting with Jim Irsay and then coming out of that saying he wants to be traded, Jim Irsay tweeting things, his agents involved. I think that's the stuff that makes it complicated for the Indianapolis Colts. Because regardless of the contract situation, we watched Saquon Barkley go through it with the Giants, and eventually they were able to come to terms and compromise and get a one-year deal and get them back in there. We have players meeting with ownership and then wanting to be traded. Like That's when it just becomes an absolute mess and it's chaos, especially when you just drafted a quarterback and the top five picks, and you're looking at him to be the future of your franchise because you're pairing him with one of the best running backs in the NFL. I don't know how this gets resolved. I, I, and yeah. You have to assume eventually that Jonathan Taylor goes in, he starts practicing, and he goes and plays to kind of – increase his value but at the same time you can say hey every time you take a handoff your value is just going down and down because then all of a sudden you're running back with a ton of miles on him so it's going to be very interesting to see how long he's willing to uh, let this thing go on uh, the the nfl's uh gambling policy for players suspensions this offseason happened last year too uh, mm -hmm. players are saying yeah it was me i did it i, I didn't really understand the policy um is that accurate if, whenever you, you view the gambling policy and what it was compared to what it is, is, is there any reason why the players shouldn't know what the rules are and what the suspensions would be? I can't speak for every player, but I think this is a, the bigger part of this is the fact that the gambling landscape has changed. So the gambling rules can say like they are what they are, but from a player's standpoint, the gambling rules never included maybe a, a fan duel or DraftKings or the different things that go on now. So I think this kind of has led to a different conversation that needs to be had. And sometimes it's a matter of maybe you there is a, a, a long document of explains the gambling rules or there's an hour presentation during training camp at the very end of the day. I think for teams and players, for that standpoint, everybody needs to come together the league as well to figure out how we're going to convey what these rules are and get them out to the players and make sure they all understand them. And then to a certain extent is, do we need to go back and review 
these rules and regulations that we have in regards to gambling with everything that has changed around us. So uh, I don't want to say, I think it is fair for players to say, maybe I didn't completely understand this point or that point. I know for me throughout my playing career, I'm not a gambler. So I looked at the gambling rules and really didn't care. All I looked at was, well, I'm not gambling because it's not something I'm interested in, but I don't think it's fair to say, Hey, well, if you're a player, just don't gamble because that's not what the rules say. Guys are allowed to gamble under a certain extent. And I do think the more you get into the nitty gritty of it, it is, it does have some parts where you have to fully understand it. For example, if there's a, say, let's say there's a casino in Nashville and the Tennessee Titans, there's a casino there and I'm playing for the New England Patriots and I'm going there to play a game on a Saturday. We get in and I want to meet up with one of my former teammates. My former teammate that's playing in Nashville, he's allowed to go to the casino. He's at home, but me, I'm on a work trip. I can't go to the casino. So for players, you have to understand the difference in that of what you can do and what you can't do. I think it gets a little confusing because a player that has a casino in his city, he may be well aware of that. A player that doesn't, maybe you don't pay attention to it early on. So there's a lot of things going on when you first get into the NFL to try to figure out what's what. The, the real thing they've got to change um, is this six-game suspension on a work trip if you're betting on the UFC pay-per-view on a Saturday when you arrive in Tennessee because the app works and it's legal here in the state. Like, that that to me is ridiculous. I understand if you're betting on the NFL, that's one thing. If, yeah. you're, if you're betting on anything else, who cares? It's legal. Uh, that's not affecting the integrity of the game. It's all optics. And it's, it's, that's very punitive for what they're doing when they're not even betting on the sport that they're playing. I, I want to get your thoughts real quick on Eli Apple going to Miami. And Miami, that the they went to Tyreek Hill to get his opinion on if they should bring him in. I love the rivalry between the two. Uh, I know uh, Tyreek tweeted out, like, Monday's practice is going to be interesting, you know, uh, with an emoji. Uh, is that what they should have done? Should they have gone to Tyreek Hill first before bringing in a corner that can help them depth-wise? The way I interpret that is, hey, hey, Tyree, coming off, I just want to have a conversation with you. I know you and Eli Apple have gone back and forth on social media. I just want to let you know firsthand that, hey, we're going to sign him. So you're not opening up your Twitter app or whatever the case may be, and you see that, and you're like, oh, I can't stand this guy. Yeah, you're I just want you to know coming from me, opposed to like, hey, we're looking at these three corners. Uh, we, we think Eli is the best one. Are you okay with that? I don't know if Chris Greer went that far into the depth of the conversation to have Tyreek weigh in on what's the next cornerback they need. Obviously, they lost Ramsey for a while. And the type of player Tyreek Hill is, he wants to win. So it's like, hell, if Eli Apple's going to come in here and help us win, then, hey, I can whoop him in practice and we can go against each other and talk trash all day long. I just need to go out there on Sunday and perform. I think as players, that's what we all hope for. Yeah, totally fair. And, it, and it, that's so he's not caught off guard when he sees it on social. Uh, but he was certainly ready with that reply when he did see it, uh, which was awesome. Uh, what did you make of, uh, about a minute left here, what did you make of DeAndre Hopkins in the day you were able to watch him practice here in Nashville? It was awesome. Uh, uh, obviously, I had many battles with uh, D-Hop, and it was funny. Uh, Rand Carthon, the Titans general manager, was there. His kids were there, and DeAndre gave uh, his two sons a pair of his gloves, and they're putting them up to their hand. You know, obviously, you have the kid, and the gloves are huge, and they're just all over the place. And I took the glove and I put it up to my hand. And you can see it's like twice the size of my hand. And it just goes to show you why this guy is able to make the catches that he makes. 
Uh, but it was exciting seeing him and Tannehill in that connection. I got a chance to chop it up with him a little after practice and just ask him how he liked Nashville. And he said he loved it there. He said early on he's been able to develop a relationship with Ryan Tannehill and he's figuring out his new teammates and all of that. So uh, it's going to be an exciting time, I think, for Titans fans getting to see a guy, especially that terrorized you for so many years. I was a part of that, so I apologize. <laughs> but having him on your side, uh, I think will be a pretty sight to see. Uh, and it, among the range, I mean, he's got great range among the best in the NFL at that uh, acrobat is how I would describe him. Hopefully he can bring that to the team and uh, on the contract wise, hopefully he can parlay that into another big deal uh, on what is a short-term deal. If, if he chooses to do that based on the way they structured in some, some voidable years. Uh, Jason, always great, man. Great to catch up with you and uh, appreciate the time today. Keep up the great work on good morning football. It's uh, it's been excellent. Will do. Definitely appreciate it. Anytime. Huh? Yeah, man. Thank you. Jason McCourty, one of the best, uh, among my favorites to to ever cover uh, in the locker room. Uh, legit guy. Uh, same for Devin, uh, his twin brother. And uh, be sure to catch him on NFL Network. Does a tremendous job uh, breaking down the NFL. We've got Michael McHenry returning with us next. And he'll be breaking down the winners and losers of the trade deadline. Maybe a surprise or two across Major League Baseball. That's next. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Our thanks to Jason McCourty for joining us. Great perspective there from the 13-year NFL vet, now host of Good Morning Football. Coming up, Josh Pate joins us in about an hour and 20 minutes from right now, plus Ben Maller, host on Fox Sports Radio. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on with guest host today, Michael McHenry, former Major League Baseball catcher, now analyst, and uh, does a lot of analytical analysis for Major League Baseball and the Pirates. Does a great job. We've got a, uh, a memory of... Uh, well, one you would like to forget, Michael, of uh, a terrible blown call coming up later uh, that was in a 19-inning game against the Braves. Uh, I can't wait to get your reaction to the, the video that Davey Hudson found and has been holding on to for a couple of months. Uh, we finally get to play it coming up. But first, I want to get your take on the biggest winners and losers at the Major League Baseball trade deadline. And it, if you want, I'll set you up for the biggest losers, in your opinion, starting with Seattle and Oakland? So you look at where the standings lie. You know, AL West, obviously they have some big hitters out there, but Seattle's right in the mix. They're six games back. The fact that they traded away bullpen arms, especially their closer, made absolutely no sense. And I'm just sad for Oakland. So they're, they're just yeah. a loser because they've just been losing consistently. But Seattle... What they did last year, it felt like they had just this aura around them. The big dumper goes deep to win the game in the wild card and they get in the playoffs. I don't think you can 
throw away that magic. They just had the all-star game and then they don't go out and just get nasty in, in the, in the trade deadline. They, they needed some help. They didn't go get it. I just didn't understand it, especially with the big splash in that division. Well, it's kind of a, I was like they were putting on, you know, this this fake persona during the All-Star weekend that the buzz about Otani potentially being traded there, for instance. Uh, and then, you know, the only other story that came out of that, the players were upset on the Blue Jays road trip that they were selling Blue Jays merchandise in the team shop. And that's really it since this trade happened. Uh, they're going in the opposite direction, and it's, it is peculiar. Hey, by the way, you mentioned the A's. Um, I noticed watching a road game for them. I think it was may have been in San Francisco, where even the the fans on the road uh, cheering against them are chanting "Sell the team," uh, just like they would get inside of the A's ballpark. Um, no chance of that happening. I, I don't think so. I think when we expand, when they go to Vegas, I think Oakland may get an opportunity to pick up a team again. But it seems like all roads are leading to. You know, them moving to Vegas, they're chasing money, they're chasing bigger opportunity, a bigger market. And that's the reality. It's always going to be money first with these owners. They're not going to look at the fans and see the people that, you know, pay the paychecks day in, day out. They're just going to say, hey, there's better opportunity over here. And they're going to take it. And that's exactly what they're, at least it looks like they're going to do. It's all speculation still. So you mentioned two ball clubs, Seattle and Oakland, as the biggest losers at, at number three. Number two, you're going with an entire division. Yeah. <laughs> The central, the AL central, I mean, one, they're not a very good division. It's not very strong. And you kind of look at it, every single one of them were, were either quiet or sellers. And the twins at the top, I mean, they're, they're about, I think two games, three games above. Yeah. Two games above Cleveland. Cleveland was a seller. They, they got rid of Josh Belson in Miami. They got rid of one of their best pitchers. They shipped him out to the Rays. It really makes no sense. I'm not going to bet against Terry Francona. I feel like they had a really good idea of what they're doing, and Cleveland will probably come on top of this. But the fact the Twins did nothing, I mean, they didn't get any bats. They've been almost asleep when it comes to their offense all year long. Just to bolster that offense, give them a little bit of life, because more than anything, when you get that trade, I'll never forget my first full season of the big leagues. Derek Lee walks into the locker room, the aura he brought because he was a superstar caliber player, a guy that we played against a lot in Chicago, you, you felt different. You felt like you had a, you know, a different chance than you did the previous day. Cause this big superstar, you know, previous all-star guy that had been MVP talks year in, year out shows up in your locker room. And it gives you that feeling that you can go out there and win any game. It's just, the, is this the mentality of it? Cause the twins are basically 500 right now. Um, is this the mentality of, hey, we're probably winning this division, but we're not winning the World Series, so we're not investing? I will bet just because of the way that they're going about it that they probably won't win the division. Because, like I said, Terry, Kim, Terry Francona does an incredible job building culture and building men, and he's a guy that's been kind of slapped back and forth about how much he cares about the players, and that takes him to a whole nother level. So I, I would never bet against him. I think what they did was very uh, strategic. They kind of had a deep well when it comes to starting pitching. They have a long time, and then they felt like they could replace Josh Bell and get rid of that salary, so that's exactly what they did. So I feel like they actually bolstered their team, but everyone else, including the White Sox, you look at their team. Now, obviously, we're probably going to talk about the Detroit pitcher here in a minute, yeah. but that division just had bad news written all over it, except Cleveland. They always have something kind of lying in the wait you're waiting for. Uh, number one, uh, the biggest loser at the deadline is pretty obvious. Uh, the Mets... Well, they're not in the cellar right now in the NL East, but they were sellers 
at the deadline, which is a massive surprise given expectations in their payroll? But they are no longer the big apple. I'm, I'm going to call them the little apple because they're going to have to sell that apple to pay for all, <laughs> all this. $377 million they started the season with. They're going to be paying $150 million in luxury tax just to get rid of some of their top performers. They get rid of their closer. They get rid of their two superstar pitchers and Verlander and Max Scherzer. But not only did they get rid of these guys, they're paying $100 million guaranteed to Texas, to Houston. I mean, Texas and Houston just literally walked into New York, stole the apple and said, mm, this is so tasty. Thank you very much. And we'll take another $100 million, please. So they got a lot in return. They bolstered their minor league system. But I mean, if you're a New York fan, all the speculation of how good they were going to be getting Max Scherzer, getting, you know, Verlander, David Robertson, you just thought, hey, this is our year. This is our chance. It just proves that you cannot buy a championship. And no matter what, it it always matters how the clubhouse is. You know, I think all the drama, all the things that were going on throughout the year, I just don't think it's been good for New York. I think Cohen's going to learn from it, grow. I'm not going to bet against him because he's got Will Spin and he's a guy that's right in the middle of all of it. Do you think he just jumps? Does he jump right back in uh, into the money? I don't think so. I don't think so. I I think he's already going to be paying a lot of money. I mean, you talk about 150 million dollars in taxes uh, in that luxury tax, and then he's paying the what is it, 35 and 35, I believe it is for Verlander and uh, Scherzer over the next two years. So I mean, Texas and Houston just stole stole those two guys. And then Verlander is going to hit his option or vest his option. That's almost $18 million that they're going to have to pay on top of that. So they have a lot of money allocated across the board. And I'll tell you right now, Max Scherzer, if I could pick a biggest winner player-wise, Max Scherzer, he's getting paid three times $15 million by three different teams. The Nationals, the Mets, and the Rangers right now. Talk about a guy that did some really good work. Whoever his agent is, kudos. Well, I, I mean, his his comments about the conversation he had in New York, uh, this is a three or five year plan or whatever he was told. That is probably the most surprising aspect of what they did. Uh, and the fact that he admitted that was the conversation that he wasn't going to buy. And he, he granted the trade uh, having a no trade clause. Biggest winners. We start with number three on your list, uh, Atlanta and Miami out of the national league in the NL East. Yeah, you look at the NL East. I, I thought Atlanta did a really good job. They needed a little bit of bullpen help. They're hoping some guys come off the IL to uh, give them a little shot in the arm, but they got a couple guys that could step in, and especially at that AAA level that can come up and help. And then Miami, I think they did a great job. And, you know, when you have a guy in, uh, I think it's Berger from uh, the White Sox, say that was the most fun I've ever had playing a baseball game. That first game in Miami, they won 9 8 against Philadelphia. I think you kind of can tell what type of team they have, how exciting they are and how fun it is to play on a winning baseball team. And Miami's got all the arms in the world. They have that young kid that's going to come back and, you know, probably dominate again. They they send him down to kind of control his innings. So they're going to get a huge boost there. Atlanta didn't need to do much because they're a super, super power right now. I think they're a uh, lead to win the world series. So yeah, those two teams, I believe really did a great job of doing what they needed. Michael McHenry with us, getting his biggest winners at the Major League Baseball trade deadline. I love number two. I I didn't like it at first because the (laughs) Angels chose not to trade Otani. But the more I see them go in and they've invested at the deadline, the more I like the opportunity that they're giving themselves and giving and proving that they're trying to win with Otani. 
yeah, if they have any opportunity to sign this guy, which he's happy there, you know, he, he likes LA and I think the team he, he maybe could go to is, you know, right down the road and the Dodgers. So they set themselves up by playing really well without Mike Trout, which they're going to get that shot in the arm mid August. He gets back from his handmate and that's going to really help that team. But you look at who they got, they got Giolito who's been a really good arm. He hasn't started out too well, but they got a closer in Lopez who throws absolute thunderbolts. They got Escobar earlier on Mustakis, CJ Cron, and then uh, Grichik who is a defensive, you know, uh, outfielder that can really walk in and, maybe even better than Trout in the outfield. Obviously, you can't hit like him. And they also got a, a reliever from the Mets. So they did a really good job of kind of filling a lot of holes, didn't have to spend a ton of money. None of these guys are making, you know, money that they can't afford. And most of them are either under contract just one more year or they're going to be a free agent, you know, after this year. So they're going to have a lot of opportunity to get in that playoffs in a really, really good division. But they'll also have an opportunity to get rid of all these guys and maybe sign Otani, then you have Otani and Trout for a long time with a lot of young players coming up because they have a pretty good farm system. Uh, number one, biggest winner, Texas. Not just one club, but both clubs. They say things are bigger in Texas, and man, did they just drop the dynamite and win in every single way. Not only did the players that got traded there not have to pay income tax, and they're going to make a lot more money, they're also going to places that they're going to feel super comfortable. I mean, you think about Scherzer going into... Uh, the Texas Rangers, they're going to love him there. He's going to be similar to the next Nolan Ryan because he has that attitude. He has that demeanor. They're going to fall in love with him. He got Austin Hedges as a catcher, as a defensive guru. They already absolutely rake, so he's going to get all the run support. And it's Texas. Who doesn't like Texas? And then you look at what happened with Verlander. I mean, him getting a chance to go back to his old team, and they're going to pay a huge discounted rate and get paid to have one of the best pitchers in baseball. Verlander is trending so good in the right direction that they hit it absolutely perfect when it comes to timing. Cause over his last nine starts, 9.95 ERA, he's starting to look like Verlander of old who won the Cy Young last year. And Oh yeah, he's going back to his guys where they absolutely were static. If you read some of the comments on, on social media, they are fired up to have him back because he was a leader in that clubhouse. Uh, not listed on winners or losers among your list, the LA Dodgers. Eduardo Rodriguez had a 10-team, no-trade clause. The Dodgers were on that. The Tigers still negotiated with L.A., and Rodriguez said, no, I want to be closer to family. His family's in Florida. He's in Detroit. What do you make of that, given the fact that he had a chance to go win another World Series after winning one with Boston? Could have gone to the Dodgers and gone for another. You know, I, I think he's comfortable, and you have a choice to make in, in your career. If, if, for me, it would always be chasing that championship. But for him, he's comfortable in Detroit. It feels like it's not a big market. Good L.A. It's completely different. This is a guy that pitched in Boston for a long time, and he wasn't this good. He's having the best year of his career, so maybe he's you know, chasing an opportunity to make you know, some more money down the line. It feels like his best opportunity to do that is in Detroit, where you, know, you don't have those high ceilings that they expect day in, day out. He can kind of just stay you know, even kill level-headed and he's the guy there i mean he's their number one in detroit he walks into la he's not at all he's 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 at the back end maybe they're four or five so it's a completely different animal and you got to look at it from all um aspects i just wish his agent would have helped him kind of articulate why yeah you know he said i want to be closer to family well that makes no sense so maybe maybe next time just figure out a way to articulate it a little bit better so the fans and everybody else understand so he doesn't get a bad name because he's a really good dude. Got about 30 seconds. Uh, best protection clause you ever had in one of your contracts? Uh, don't get hurt. 
That's about all I got. Yeah, <laughs> stay in the big leagues. <laughs> how jealous? How jealous were you of uh, of trying to uh, see these guys that had the no trade clause? Yeah, I think it's remarkable. If you can get that in your contract, it's absolutely outstanding. I will say this: I did have a secret contract once, real quick. I I signed a big league contract under the table, but everybody in the media, everybody um, within baseball, thought I was on a minor league deal. So that that was the coolest thing I did as contract boss. <laughs> You didn't want to get word out. You kept it secret. Yeah, exactly. I was was like Batman. The fort is the vault. Michael McHenry with us. Coming up, we give our predictions for the World Series now that the dust has settled on trade deadline uh, day earlier this week. Plus, Otani and what he could mean with the LA Angels. That's next on Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow.